Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day you're in. Have quite a few birds with us that are going to go on our little walk today, at least part of it. One of our turkey hens has still managed to keep a couple chicks alive at least. Garden is growing pretty good, along with most of the trees. Kind of a cloudy overcast day. No puppy dogs, no kitty cats, nothing else. I think we're going to walk through the pasture today a little bit. Sounds like a good idea. those of y'all that continue to give me a few minutes of your time each day, thank you so much. And for those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, I'm very grateful. It continues to do well week after week. And so hopefully that means at least some of y'all are getting a little something out of it. And our country as a whole is getting a little something out of it. I probably could do two more podcasts on this speech that we've been on, but I think I'm going to just do one more about the end of it because I I feel like it's so important. So we'll go ahead and jump into that if I can find everything in one place. So this is a time for choosing speech from Reagan. 1964, kind of toward the end of it. If you want to look it up, you can look it up at it's. Uh, you can find it in Reagan's library. A couple other places. I've stumbled across bits and pieces of it. And that is the issue of this campaign that makes all the other problems I've discussed academic. Unless we realize we're in a war that must be won. Reagan was talking about a campaign that no longer exists. I understand that. And they were in the middle of the Cold War. But his words are so true, folks. We are in the middle of a war and really have been since before the speech was given for the soul of our nation. And we, as a nation, most of us have either been asleep or we have been pushing off what we know is true just because it's so hard to deal with and and the outcome is so in doubt and probably painful that we just don't want to deal with it and if we don't as he said everything else just becomes academic until we accept that fact that we are in our freedom for the soup kitchen of the welfare state have told us they have a utopian solution of peace without victory. They call their policy accommodation and they say if we'll only avoid any direct confrontation with the enemy he'll forget his evil ways and learn to love us. All who oppose them 
are indicted as warmongers. They say we offer simple answers to complex problems. Well, perhaps there is a simple answer. Not an easy answer, but simple. If you and I have the courage to tell our elected officials that we want our national policy based on what we know in our hearts is morally right. See, we've become so gobbled up as a nation today, folks, that we have people who claim to love our country, who claim to stand for our founding faith and principles, telling us that almost any war for any reason is warmongering that we shouldn't have our boys in harm's way anywhere. And, and then you have the people that have traditionally been against war in any form or fashion, kind of like Reagan was talking about here with people saying if we would just appease the communists and the socialists, that they'd leave us alone. And those people now seem to be pushing for war. Here's, as, as best I can define this, folks, as clearly as I can sum up the situation today, you have two groups of people that are both very wrong and being very untruthful or unloyal, I guess, would be a better word, to our founding faith and principles. As a Christian nation, we have a responsibility to care for the poor and the needy, the widow and the orphan wherever we find them. We do have responsibility, as I've said before, often to care for our own first. But the isolationist mentality is what brought about Pearl Harbor. To a certain extent, I would argue that's what brought about 9-11. On the other hand, appeasing, that, that isolationist mentality goes along with the appeasement, you know, well, if we'll just leave the, the Muslim terrorists alone, they won't bother us. If we'll just leave the communists and the socialists alone, they won't bother us. It's never worked, folks. Now, we don't have to go marching off to war every single time somebody has a problem somewhere out there in the world, but the idea externally that we can leave communists and socialists alone or Muslim terrorists which Iran falls into that category and quite a few other Muslim states do and that they're going to leave us alone is just absolutely it's patently absurd history doesn't bear it out history has never borne it out that's the same internal policy that you see in some of these larger cities today like New York and Chicago and Washington DC and other places that says well if we'll just if we won't press these criminals so hard, if we'll be a little bit more understanding, a little kinder, they'll wake up and realize the error of their ways and they'll change. No, they don't. They haven't. They've become more emboldened. They've become worse, not better. Just because you, you punish someone, folks, doesn't mean that you don't love that person. In fact, the Bible's pretty clear about that with children. If you don't discipline your children, there's no way you can possibly claim to love them. If we don't hold people responsible, we go down this route to shared mediocrity where we try and make everybody the same in education, 
everybody the same in the military and everybody the same and pick one where we lower the standards and lower the standards and lower the standards until we reach this bottom muck where there are no standards anymore. That doesn't help anyone. Uh, and, and I'm going to talk about it some more at the end when I get through this speech, but this problem of accommodation today is really, as with all these problems we'll talk about tie-in, they're much worse internally in the United States today than externally. Our problems, our greatest enemy is right here internally in the United States. <clears throat> I'm going to continue here now. We cannot buy our security, our freedom from the threat of the bomb by committing an immorality so great as saying to a billion human beings now enslaved behind the Iron Curtain, give up your dreams of freedom because to save our own skins we're willing to make a deal with your slave masters. Alexander Hamilton said, A nation which can prefer disgrace to danger is prepared for a master and deserves one. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace. And you can have it in the next second. Surrender. I can't help but think of the 60 plus million babies that we've slaughtered in our own country here in America right now when Reagan's talking about the billion human beings enslaved behind the Iron Curtain and, and we say to them, give up your dreams of freedom. Have we not done exactly the same things to these children? We've said, give up your dreams of life because we don't want to be burdened or inconvenienced by you. It's even worse than what he said. We're not saving our own skins, literally. We just want to be able to do what we want to do, uh, which is, should, probably should be the motto of the left. We want to do what we want to do, regardless of who it hurts. LGBTQ relationships come to mind. No-fault divorce comes to mind. Abortion comes to mind. Having sex with whoever, whenever we want comes to mind. There's a reason I'm hitting on that. There's a lot of reasons I do podcast after podcast. A, because it goes completely against the teachings of Christ, which is the foundation of this nation, which is what this podcast is all about, reminding us. But B, the next podcast, I've managed to stumble across something that's, at least for me, very eye-opening. Almost to the point that uh, realizing how evil and immoral the Supreme Court decision about separation of church and state back in the 40s and all the decisions in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and even early 90s have been. It's extremely eye-opening, I think. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow, but every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter of our well-meaning liberal friends which they refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement, and it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we will have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then, when Nikita Khrushchev has told his people, he knows what our answer will be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of the Cold War, and someday when the time comes to deliver the final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary. 
Because by that time, we will have been weakened from within spiritually, morally, and economically. He believes this because from our side, he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price, or better read than dead. Or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. The greatest enemy is internal, folks, and I can't help as I hear Reagan talking about an external Cold War to think internally. Every time we accommodate the evil values of the godless left in our own country, we make our country weaker and more vulnerable. As he talked about, not just economically, but spiritually, morally, more to the point, those more than economically, those lead to economic weakness. Every time we accommodate abortion, every time we accommodate LGBTQ relationships, every time we accommodate illegal immigration, every time we accommodate critical race theory and the bigotry of the left, every time we accommodate feminism, we make ourselves weaker. You see that in education, you see that in the military, you see that in police and firefighters, you see it across the board, you see it in marriages and families more than those. You see it in our communities, in our state. Every time we lower the standard and we play along and we say, oh yes, everyone's the same, right? Oh, we're all, we're all equal. No, no, we have different roles, different strengths, different weaknesses, for example. Uh, this idea of accommodation, this idea of, oh, well, you want to do this, you feel that's right. Well, we'll go ahead and let you. Then we make us, we make us weaker, folks. Uh, just unbelievably. And then, and then how true peace at any price and he's going to pull a line here from Patrick Henry in just a minute in his speech prior to the revolution. But I, I'm reminded by some words from Chesty Puller, who was one of our greatest generals in the Marine Corps. And he said something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, basically. There are far worse things than death. Far worse. And there are, folks. There are. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in this life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the Pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world. The martyrs of history were not fools and our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis did not die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it is a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay there is a point beyond which they must not advance. And this is the meaning in the phrase of Barry Goldwater's peace through strength. Winston Churchill said the destiny of man is not measured by material computations. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we're spirits, not animals. And he said, there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth. 
or will sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Could not be more true today, folks. That last part could not be more true. We will either stop the left from destroying the United States of America and save it whole, or we will be the last generation that helped usher ourselves, our children, our grandchildren, and another however many generations, a thousand years into absolute darkness. That's how we'll be remembered. One way or the other, we will be a generation that saves America and turns her around, turns back to God who really saves us, or we will be the generation that damns future generations into darkness, not just here, folks, but across the world. It will absolutely be like the fall of the Roman Empire into the Middle Ages and Dark Ages, but, but worse. Trying to pull back something that came to me while I was reading that, oh, spirits. I wish I had the verse from the New Testament in front of me right now, but our battle is not against flesh and blood but it's against spiritual forces, against the rulers, the dark powers of this world. A paraphrase there, make sure you go look it up. I'll try and look it up and bring it if I remember next time. But the point is, folks, this is absolutely a spiritual war. And it's so, so important to remember that this is, this is internal. I wanna, I wanna read one more thing and then I'm gonna kinda close up. This is from a breakfast that, uh, prayer that that Reagan gave in Dallas, Texas in 84. So this is 20 years after this first speech that I've been reading for the last three podcasts. It's a line that I hope most of y'all are familiar with. And if you're not, I hope it becomes something you're familiar with. There were suits were brought to abolish the words under God from the Pledge of Allegiance and to remove in God we trust from public documents. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. That sums up the whole thing, folks. If we ever forget, which we have, almost for the last century, we've either forgotten or ignored the fact that we're one nation under God. That the reason that we have all these blessings, as Lincoln said during the height of the Civil War, is because of God, not because of our own virtue, our own superiority. And we've forgotten that. And we've imagined vainly and the deceitfulness of our own hearts that our blessings are because we're so great. We're so good. We're so wonderful. Greatest enemy, folks, that we face today comes internally from our own fellow citizens that have for decades supported, voted for, or been indifferent to these godless values that the left promotes. We have a responsibility to help other people across the world, but we can't help them if we're weak and dysfunctional at home. And I got, I've got to be honest here, folks. I think a lot of our fellow citizens know this. There may be some that fall into the category of the misinformed voter. Maybe there's a lot, but there's a lot that know it too. And they're working hard to completely change our nation, not for the better, not for progress, but to head us toward that cliff 
that last step into darkness that Reagan talked about. There is no reconciliation or coexistence between people that stand for those evil values that we talk about so often here and people that stand for our founding faith and principles based on the teachings of Christ, that stand for life, that stand for marriage, that stand for discipline and rule of law, that stand for the different roles between men and women, those biblical traditional roles, that stand for the family, that stand for children, that stand for treating all men equally under the law regardless of race or ethnicity. You cannot compromise with evil. You cannot negotiate with the devil. You cannot accommodate and appease. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked. We've been watching it for so long. got some really tough decisions coming folks I hope that mentally we are preparing for that physically too spiritually for sure before either the mental or the physical thank you all so much for giving me a little bit of your time I really look forward to these conversations I look forward to y'all's feedback when you tell me about it take that to heart and take it seriously and I'm, I'm very grateful for it y'all make me as the proverb says as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another y'all make me sharper god bless y'all god bless your families god bless america we'll talk to y'all again real soon looking forward to it